This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited to be here with Melinda Lee Schmidt, who is an animal energy therapist, and I can't wait to dig into all of the animal communication and amazing stuff that she has to share with us. So welcome. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's so wonderful to be here, especially it was just a last minute surprise for me and I can't imagine being anywhere else at this moment. I know it is so divinely timed as it always is. And so, yes, I had another person scheduled and they were in touch with you and they asked if, if you would be okay to, to fill in. And my whole body was lit up because I am so excited to learn everything about this. I have so many animals come to me in, in meditations and dreams. And I also feel all of these feather things happening. So I want to dig into all of it. If you just want to start by like sharing a little bit about yourself and how you came to this work, cause it's so incredible. Yeah. So the primary piece of the work that I do is the animal energy therapy. I do communication as well. Um, but I have an animal energy certification. I'm working on my healing touch for animals certification. And what that basically is, is a form of like Reiki where you go in and you're balancing and healing the energy bodies, but I'm doing it with animals rather than people. And so as I'm doing that work, what I find is that the communication is just like a natural addition to that work, right? So as as I'm doing the animal energy therapies, I find that the animals are communicating with me, letting me know what's happening, why maybe they're feeling that way, what they want their families to know, which is really exciting. And the work that I do is anywhere from helping to assist with physical ailments to uh, end of life healing benefits of helping to extend and not necessarily extend, but make the most out of the end stages of their lives and behavior. Behavior is such a huge thing when behaviorists aren't working the energy work can go in and kind of smooth things out in their energy field so that trainers can come in and actually do much better work and be able to get much better results. Okay. So then we need to talk about my sweet little poppy and why she's been barking. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny because a friend of mine who does intuitive readings and other stuff, she had been playing with the idea of doing animal communications. So she had done, once done a reading for Poppy, who's my little Havapoo, and she said that Poppy wanted to be heard. So sometimes when she's barking, like my whole family would be like, okay, Poppy, we hear you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> right, right. And she's probably like, that's not what I meant or something. Right. 
Well, I definitely, um, one of the things that I've always noticed and that I think is fascinating is that the fact that poppies, the thing that you're challenged with is the barking and you are having issues with your throat chakra. Oh yeah, so absolutely. There's yeah. So, always so many similarities <laughs> between the family and the pets. Right. So that brings up an interesting thought. So are they more sensitive beings and are they picking up on our energy? What are their empathic skills? So yeah, they're, they, they are tapped in to source the way that we were born to be tapped into source. They just never lost that ability to stay tapped into source. So the way that the energy works, you know, our energy field surrounds our bodies, same as the animal surrounds their bodies. When we're around each other, that those energies blend with each other. So as humans, we make up stories about how that's not really happening, how we're very separate from them. And so we are not as able to blend with theirs, which would make communication seamless with them. So they have the ability to be in that space, blending with our energies, learning more and more about us. And so they will, it's not that they take on our stuff, but they can definitely bring forth some behaviors or characteristics that show us where we have room to heal and to grow and to um, maybe have a better relationship with them. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And do they have the same chakra system that we do? They do. Um, so they have the seven major chakras, just mm -hmm. like we do. The difference is the energy bodies. So our energy bodies are like layered. So we have our physical body, emotional body, mental body, spiritual body in these layers. The way that their energy bodies work, it's pixelated. So all of those energy bodies are kind of like in little boxes. It's all like meshed together through their energy field. And that is what helps them to clear out stuff so much faster because you'll see when a cat or a dog or, you know, any animal comes across something that feels a bit traumatic, they get picked up when they didn't want to, or, you know, whatever it is, you'll see them just kind of like shake. And that's them just shaking that right out of their energy field. Wow. That is so fascinating. And also, I guess because they don't have the ego that we do, they're not associating every single thing that <laughs> happens with creating a story that goes along with it. So they're just able to, like you're saying, shake it off, integrate it, transmute it, and just, and also, it's so interesting too, because people say that they don't have, at least for dogs, that they don't have the same sense of time that we do which again goes exactly with what you're saying about being connected to source in truly the most embodied way, because every time I can walk into the room, it could be one minute or it could be one hour. It could be five hours. I get the exact same reaction as if I haven't been seen in ages. And I'm always like, I just saw you, like I'm with you all day long. And so is that, is that any of that ring true? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, time is a man constructed thing. So they certainly don't have a concept of it. So what kind of messages do 
animals give you? They tell you if they're in pain? Not usually. Okay. Most, so they're, because they don't have the same views about pain as we do. Like they don't hold on to it and they don't go, well, my life is horrible because I'm in pain, right? It's just there. Like, like the shirt that we put on our heads, like it's just there. They don't think about it. It might make them a little bit slower. They might not be able to do the same things, but they're not judging themselves about not being able to do those things. They're not judging the fact that they have pain. It's just there, right? So when I am in communication with them, especially around physical ailments, what they really want to make sure that people know is that they're okay right? So they don't want their family to be sad. They don't want to be treated like they can't still do the things that they can do. They know what they can do and they're just going to keep on doing it, right? And so they're super grateful when their families come in and get them steps to help them get up and down things, but it's not needed and they're going to figure, they're going to figure everything out for themselves. Mm. It sounds to me like they are so much more resilient then we give them credit for and also a beautiful reflection of how much more resilient we are than we allow ourselves to be because of these stories you're talking about and because of these associations and judgments that we make on ourselves. It's so true. And I think, and it's um, a great opportunity for us to really witness them to see what self-love looks like because that's really the space that they are in and I have a perfect example of one day when I was um, taking care of these two dogs one is a very healthy young pit bull the other one was an old blind deaf honorary Boston, uh, Boston Terrier. And the Boston Terrier was, she ran the show, right? Like she's like, I am the queen of this house. And that's just the way that it is. Well, because she couldn't see, um, she was always tripping into the pit bull. And so there was this one day when, you know, the pit bull is like, I'm here. Like, you're going to have to figure out a way to get around me. I'm not moving for you. And she ended up walking over the pit bull and the pit bull snapped at her. And I was like, oh my God, like what a perfect example of owning your thing, knowing what you're capable of, and also knowing what the other one is capable of and not sitting there and being like, oh, well, let me make everything okay and perfect for you. No, I'm in this space. I'm going to take up my space because I deserve to be here. You're blind, you're deaf, whatever, go figure it out. <laughs> right. Well, they, he created boundaries for himself. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful example to see what self-love can look like for yourself and for another. Because when you give that other person that boundary, they're like, they learn how to be able to do for themselves right. and they get self-empowerment out of that. And I also love the way I noticed with my pup that she really just leans into her own rhythm of what feels good to her. It, like for eating, for example, mm-hmm. there are days where she eats less and I never stress about it because I feel like if she was hungry, she would eat. If she doesn't want to eat, that means that she's has a stomach distress, that she's 
working through something that her body needs rest or you know she needs to take a break from digestion i just feel like they are such natural regulators particularly thinking about the food and how we as humans use food in so many different ways other than just pure nourishment but i i always say i should just eat the way the poppy eats because when she's hungry she's excited about food and she wants it and when she doesn't she just doesn't and that's okay to find your own regulation with that i completely agree and i again think that that's another one of those perfect examples because there are other animals that will eat themselves to death right like food is their life and so they do need to be regulated with the foods and that's okay too right like not every animal most animals will be able to regulate themselves but just like humans not every animal is the same just not every human is the same so it's finding that balance and that's where the blended energy between animals and humans can really come into play here if we remain open to the blending of the energies we can really get to know our animals so much better so that we can help like find that balance a little bit easier between where do you need the help versus where are you able to go do it on your own mm. so are there practices that that you could recommend for a lay person you know i have my level to reiki so sometimes i just sort of play around with her and give her a little love and energy but for someone that hasn't had that kind of training what can they do as an addition to reaching out to someone like you when they need help meditation meditate because the more that we meditate and the more that we get in tune with ourselves, the more that our energy field naturally opens up because we are connecting with source and it's the same source that those animals are connecting with too. And so that is the easiest and most significant way that we can blend our energies with our animals. Could you share a little bit about your meditation practice? Yeah. So it's, it is a practice and it, yes. is, a, <laughs> and it is a journey. I hear and, that. <laughs> and so I've experimented with lots of different meditations, um, between guided meditations, pure silence, walking meditations, you know, I've kind of done it all. What I find that works best for me is to, as soon as I wake up, um, I listen to the insight timer app. That's my favorite app for meditation. And I put on a music, not a guided meditation, but for me, it's a music. And I do what I can to spend 15 to 20 minutes as soon as I wake up, just focusing on music so that my head, like I start out the day with a clear head and it doesn't always work out that way. As a matter of fact, most of the time, my brain is still going and there's still tons of stories that are passing through my head but just being in that space, the more I'm doing it, the more that I find I'm able to focus just on the music and the more that I'm able to be more present with myself throughout the day. So it really, like I had always heard how significant it becomes when that practice is a daily practice. So it could be five minutes a day, but as long as it's daily practice, you will get more benefit out of that five minute a day daily practice than you would out of the once a week, half hour, hour long practice. Cause it's just so consistent. 
Oh, yes, I totally agree. And I have been <laughs> for most of my adult life try trying to have a meditation practice. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I really shifted my mindset about what meditation was supposed to look like yeah. and gave myself, you know what, I'm going to go outside for five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening and just sit quietly and see what happens that it became truly a daily integrative practice for me because I can now meditate while I'm sitting in the car in the carpool line and get that same level of connection. I mean, look, would it be great to sit for an hour multiple times a week? I'm sure that it would. And sometimes I do get that. And sometimes I feel like I'm in a meditative state often during the day where you just feel connected and feel aligned and feel that sense of flow and beautiful source energy. But yes, I completely agree that that even starting with that five minutes of day and building up that muscle and that trust with yourself, that what you're hearing, seeing, feeling is, is real and is valuable and is meaningful is to me, probably of the top life-changing practices that I've, I've incorporated. I love that you took it outside because that is, so for somebody that's just starting out, that is a beautiful practice because one of the things that you can find, and I don't know if you noticed this, Lauren, as you were doing it, but especially if you can spend 20 minutes, 20 minutes to me, what I found is like the magic number when you're outside. If you can be outside at around the same time every day for 20 minutes, which I know sounds challenging, but for those of you out there listening that wanna try something that's magical and fun, try this. 20 minutes every day outside around the same time, just start noticing. Within a month, you will be shocked and amazed at the animals that have surrounded you because you have become a part of their world and no, you are no longer a stranger in their world. And so the most random like deer may come in, even if you're in the city, in the middle of the city, a little squirrel might come up to your feet. You just, there's so much magic that can happen during that time. So I highly recommend that one. I love that so much. And it makes <laughs> so much sense with all of the animal development in my life and how that has progressed. You know, I'm such a nature lover and it, it just calls to my spirit so much that I didn't really connect the dots between my intentionality with spending time in nature and the results being that animals are welcoming me, me in more, <laughs> but that makes perfect sense. So thank you for highlighting that. And mm -hmm. um, for people that want to do that challenge, maybe we can check in with each other. And I would love to maybe have you back and we can see what people, what people discover. And certainly we can talk about it on social and check in with each other. So that would be super fun. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you what drew you to animals in the first place to do this type of work with them. Uh, so as a kid, as most of us, you know, I had an affinity for animals and I had a connection. Um, so I was a lover 
of animals and swore that I was going to do something with animals when I got older, but there was no way I was going to be a vet. And there is no way that I want to do research because then I'm not like interacting with the animals. Right. And I had forgotten about that as we do as our lives go about. And I adopted this chihuahua. He was about a year old. He was terrified of everything. And he was super, super aggressive in his fears. So I was doing uh, personal training, group training. I had massage therapists. I did so many different things to work with him and consistent work. And none of it really seemed to allay him from freaking out anytime somebody tried to come into our house or if I tried to take him for a walk. It got so bad, like I was afraid to have friends over and because he would bite at them. And so um, somebody had recommended to me, this was about six years ago, Healing Touch for Animals. And so there was going to be, of course, divinely guided within a month or so, there was going to be the first level right in my hometown in Raleigh when I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so I took it just because I had nothing else to lose. And it, it was just a profound beautiful experience. Like, oh my God, this is a possibility. Like this is something that can be done not only for my Chihuahua, but like something that I could actually go out there and do for others. Like what? And so within three to six months, I had my family members, um, my immediate family members, you know, my sister and my parents coming over to the house, just looking at my chihuahua saying, I don't even know what you did, but this is a different dog. And, um, and he still, there was a lot of work still to be done. Um, but this past year I took the level two course and to have done more work with him. And now, I mean, he, I'm taking with him on dog sitting trips with me. I mean, he's, people are coming into my house. The only people he really has a problem with now is kids. So I do have one more element I need to work on, um, but he's a different dog. First of all, I have tingles everywhere. <laughs> I love, love, love that story. And just how beautiful full circle that these, these things that speak to us so purely as children just often if we're open to it and we allow can come back in in the most unexpected refreshing pure sense and so I just I love that for you and I love that story and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to having that just that genuine love and affinity for animals and again it doesn't mean that everybody ends up in a field with that they're working with animals but I love that that is what happened for you because it, it it certainly feels aligned the way that your whole energy body sparkles when you talk about it. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you know when you follow your dreams and you end up in that place where, like you're saying, I had no idea that this could even be a possibility. It's I feel overwhelmed with gratitude mm-hmm. for the fact that this is my life, right? So I love that. So here's an interesting question. And I, I've heard a few people say different things about this. Do you believe, or have you, have you heard from any of your animals uh, that we as humans have also experienced 
being an animal in our past life? So I have um, been learning a lot from other animal communicators about mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And this is one of the things that has is often discussed. And the thing that I've learned most recently that I find so beautiful and also it blows my mind is the fact that yes, animals are just like humans get to choose what form they come into because it's just a soul. Like we're not humans in soul level. We are a right. soul at soul level. So we get to choose what we're coming in. We get to choose the experiences when we're coming in. It's the same with animals. They get to choose the same thing. So they get to choose what kind of animal they want to be, where they're going to be living, what type of experiences they're going to have. So absolutely, we can switch between different forms in this lifetime. The really mind-blowing thing is that with I've heard of this specifically with the animals. I haven't heard of it specifically with humans, but I can't imagine that it doesn't have the ability to work similar. But with the animals, um, uh, souls can actually experience a body simultaneously. So you've got like your favorite animal growing up and all of a sudden you have this new puppy that you're the animal that you grew up with long gone. Now you've got this new puppy. All of a sudden they're exhibiting these behaviors that are so similar to your old dog, but also behaviors of this cat that you used to cat sit for that happened to pass a year or two ago. Like, and, and then it's like, that's so weird. There's like both of these behaviors in there. And I recognize it from both of those animals. And it could be that it's elements of both of those animals in this new animal that you, that is now a part of your family. It's like mind blowing. I'm like, my <laughs> mind is blown right now because there is a thing with human souls or souls that are li living a human existence right now. And of course I can't think of what it's called. So I will put it in the show notes where you can be experiencing two different timelines at the same yes. time and so I'm not sure if that's the same as what you are saying or it's almost that like two different souls can reincarnate into the same animal body whoa it's I think that I don't know the answer to that question yeah. and I'm really okay with not knowing the yeah, answer yeah, yeah. To that <laughs> because honestly, it's just amazing Right. Like every time I think I have something figured out, then somebody comes in and it's like, well, this is a possibility or I've seen experienced this. And I'm like, what? Like our human minds aren't capable at the capacity that we use them of understanding all that is truly possible. Right. And how exciting. <laughs> And expansive and yes. just overwhelmingly, like this is the kind of stuff that just lights me up on a soul level that it's like, in some ways, you know, it, it sparks something inside you that like understands the infinite. And mm -hmm. then at the same time, you're like, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But it's so amazing. And it's just such a gift for you to be able to share and, and why not think about things in 
in terms of possibility. And again, this word curiosity and play just keeps coming round and round and round. We make everything so hard and so yes. serious and it's, it's gotta be this way and it's black and white and it's gotta fit into this box. And I'm over it, people. I'm just over it. I am like, literally, like, if you tell me that's an option, I'm here for it. I just, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the animals are one of the most perfect ways to really start getting into that play and curiosity frame of mind. You had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, what sounded like you were alluding to this idea of having like little nuggets of information coming from animals like around you sometimes you know when we're out in nature we might see a feather pick up the feather you know you kind of wonder like what does that mean does that mean anything for me and the signs they're all around and the animals are deliberately doing these signs their souls or your souls, your inner beings could be connecting with the souls of these beings and in this collaborative way are going, all right, so let's leave this feather right here. And this can be a little wink from us to say, hey, you're always being guided. You're always being supported and just have fun with it. Yes. Yes. And I totally agree that everybody gets things differently because our souls or maybe it's our human brains actually all understand a different language. So I think for me, I have opened up to the animal messages, spirit animals, real physical animals, the feather messages. And so as soon as I started acknowledging them, expressing gratitude, pausing, taking moments to just let it in and play and see what does this mean exactly what you're saying, then it's like the floodgates open. And the feather messages, I've got to ask you about this because mm. I mean, I could get 15 feathers in a day. I get feathers. I was lit I was sitting on the couch last night with my husband mm. watching Monday night football and literally I looked down and he had a white feather on his thigh. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up and I get white feathers all the time and, and I just take it and I appreciate it. And sometimes I'll look up, you know, like you're saying, oh, I can't remember what the red feather means or, oh, this is, I get black and white feathers a lot. And I'm getting the sense lately that they really are here for me to dive deeper into. So tell me what you think about feather messages. So... I think that it comes down to exactly what you're talking about. All of our experiences are going to be so different. So that's part of the work that I do sometimes is if I'm in animal communication, if somebody comes to me and says specifically like, hey, there's all these black and white feathers that I keep seeing. Can you help me dive into what this means for me? And then I can work with that person and try to figure out like what that, where that meaning is for them. But messages from feathers in general is so broad because it can be so many different things. I find that the, the most important thing that's coming across when these feathers keep showing up is that exactly what I just said before, you're being guided. You are on the path. You are in flow or like headed towards that place of flow. And these are just little, either a reminder 
because you've like started thinking about other things or you've gone off track a little bit. So it's like, Hey, here I am. Remember, this is what's real. Or it's like, yes, you're right there. You're in it. Here we are. Here's our like way of, we can't clap for you. So this is our way of clapping for you. Here's, you know, all these feathers along your path. Um, but it could very well be a very significant specific message with white feathers in general that has a tendency to be from loved ones that have mm -hmm. passed over. Yeah. I feel yeah. like my dad leaves, he's like a white feather bomber. I'm just mm -hmm. like yeah. all the Absolutely. time. And I'm always just like, I feel you. I know you're here. I love you. I'm so grateful. And yeah, your explanation completely resonates with me that it's just, just walking along. And it's just amazing because there's a part of my skeptical brain, of course. And I, and I'm sharing this because I think for people out there, there is that element of suspension of disbelief. You know, you, your brain will tell you it's a, it's a coincidence or, well, of course you're going to see feathers. You live in a neighborhood with lots of birds and trees and et cetera. But as I'm sure that, you know, but for other people listening, I will be walking and I'll go a different way or I'll stop to tie my shoe or a neighbor pops up. It is the most unusual of little timings. And I will look down at that exact moment and the feather will be there. Or I'll look up and a little feather will float across <laughs> my path. That happens to me with butterflies all the time too. My, my friend is like, you and butterflies, they like dive bomb me. You're literally hitting me in the nose. And that's so that's like another <laughs> thing. But again, it's just, you know, for, for people listening, just to open to it and explore and play with it and see what, what it could mean to you because it's going to mean something different. I mean, I love to look it up in terms of the archetype or some of these mm -hmm. like bigger themes, because obviously there are so many experts that are deeply rooted in shamanic traditions and Native American history and really into the animal energy that have so much wisdom to share. So I love taking that in, but it's also, I think, creating your own language and understanding of what that animal has to share with you, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we would be remiss to like ignore all of that wisdom that came before us. And I think that we discover that language by diving into that wisdom before us so that we have an understanding and then we can take what resonates with us and leave what doesn't and then create or start to choose a path that is our own with these animals. So I think that that's a really very profound way of discovering your own um, relationships with the animals. Mm, so and, beautiful. And I love the, um, the speaking with the skeptics. I'm guessing that true skeptics wouldn't be listening to this podcast, mm. but so those of you that may have that skeptic tendency, which I think all of us do. I mean, I'm immersed in it and I still have moments where I'm like, come on, did that really just happen? Like, what am I making up here? Right. And in those moments where I begin to think that, I remember that I have a choice. I have the choice. Who cares if I'm making it up? I can choose to still believe it anyway, because what if it is true? That's a truth that I feels so much better to my body 
than the skepticism does. So I'm going to still choose that every time anyway. Absolutely. And, and it really, tell me what you think about this for, but for me, it goes hand in hand with the meditation practice is identifying the ego, making friends with the ego, putting the ego in your pocket, on your lap, next to you. <laughs> and and saying, I see you, I hear you, and I'm going to continue forward with my, my connection working alongside of you. Like, I know that you're here to serve me in many ways, but okay, speaking of animal messages, there's a cute little bird that's just on my <laughs> railing that wants to get involved. But I think that often what happens is we do have these things that happen. We do have these incredible signs and messages and synchronicities, and we don't know how to navigate with having the ego be so loud and not really wanting to go through the ego death, although I think it has to happen. Maybe everybody doesn't, but but you know, trying to balance out, well, the ego is serving me in some ways. So that means I have to listen to it all the time, which obviously is completely not true and detrimental to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without ego, really, why would we be here? We would all be enlightened beings that are just kind of living our soul life, which is what we get to do once we pass through this life anyway, um, the same, but in human form, like that doesn't really make much sense. We're here to live all of the elements of human experience. We chose that. And so it is about finding that balance between remembering exactly who we are at a soul mm -hmm. level and how to work with our human experience as the tool that we came in to discover this life with, right? Mm -hmm. And finding that balance. Yeah. And, and everybody's journey to that is different. And I'm sharing that because I think, you know, when I was first finding my way back to this path, I'm, you know, I'm picturing hearing something like this, like this conversation where we're saying it so matter of factly, <laughs> and it seems so, so seamless and so easy. And maybe for some people it is, maybe for some people, they get a certain activation, they get a certain understanding, and they're really able to have that discernment. And for other people, it really is just a little bit of of unraveling, a little bit of disconnecting that happens day by day, week by week, certainly for me, year by year, <laughs> which, which gets you to that place where you can see your ego as it's happening. And then like you're saying, make the choice to continue to be open to this soul connection. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, like you said, a very personal thing for every single person. And I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're getting at is just like, I may have this connection with the animals. I may be able to communicate, but I didn't just wake up when, like, this is not who I've been my entire life. Right. Right. Like I fought through like what the meaning of life was. I had this whole period of time where I had barely any connection with animals 
whatsoever. And I think that was a part of my path because it was so painful to be in in, in the area of loving animals because I didn't know how to return to my soul. Mm. If that makes sense. Like it, so during that time, I think I turned away from animals because it was too painful to be around them, knowing how much I wanted to be a part of their lives and not really knowing how to make that happen. Mm. That is so powerful. That, that definitely resonates with me on many levels. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. really, yeah. I love, I love this podcast for so many reasons. I love getting to meet new people. I love having these just deep, soulful conversations. And I love when I listen back, when I edit it, that I get like a whole new layer of understanding. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm basically just creating my own spiritual development program just through having the podcast. Amazing. Amazing. So tell everybody where they can find you, how they can access you and get, get more of your magic. Thank you. So you can friend me on Facebook. That's probably going to be your best way to reach out to me. I'm Melinda Lee, M-E-L-I-N-D-A-L-E-E. That's going to be the best and easiest way. My website is under construction. So while I am focused on getting my certifications, uh, that is happening. And I do have a YouTube channel that's Melinda Lee Schmidt. And my last name is S-C-H-M-I-T-T. That was fully poppy. So we will, honey, <laughs> protecting me from the dogs across the street that are walking with their owner. Thanks, Good poppy. poppy. Good poppy. Thanks, poppy. So my YouTube is at Melinda Lee Schmidt. And on there, I haven't done my videos in a while, but I had a, some videos I was doing called wild chit chat. And it was a way to just kind of incorporate speaking with nature and the ways in which you can do that. Some examples of when that happens and how to experience that. So you can check that out, or you can always email me with questions at Melinda Lee Schmidt at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here. It is 100% divinely time that we got to spend this time together. I have loved it. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.